Well, hello, hello there, ladies and gentlemen. It is another week of the Locker Room Podcast, and we got some news for you. If you don't know, if you're a first-time listener, if you're just now tuning in, sit back and relax as we dive into all the shenanigans that have been going on this week. And overall, pretty excited to get to it. Not the biggest of fights Coming up this Saturday, the Israel Adesanya versus Sean Strickland. Very much top-heavy with Tom, uh, with Taya Tuivasa, a.k.a. Mr. Shuey himself, a.k.a. Bam Bam, taking on uh, Volkov here. And that's going to be an interesting fight. Do not see that one going to the judges' scorecards. Actually, for both of those fights, I think the judges are going to take a night off, if you will. Now, today is Wednesday night, September 6, 2023. It is hump day, and it's been a it's been getting of a chaotic week because you know since it is the pay-per-view build-up week, we do have the press conference that has been going on and this past weekend's fight. So, we're going to cover this past weekend's and this upcoming Saturday's pay-per-view all in once, but how you guys doing? Hope you guys are doing great out there. If you guys are listening to this live or driving into your nine to five job, hope you guys are just doing great. I'm there with you as far as that nine to five drive goes. Myself got out of work, went to the gym, shower, ate, and now we're here. Now the day is over. Central time. It is exactly 827 p.m. at the time of this recording. Now, if you guys were listening to the last show, I think I was telling you all that I was going to see two movies. I did. I did. Saw The Blue Beetle, and because of the timing, I was not able to see the um, Denzel Washington. uh, (laughs) Say that three times. The Denzel Washington movie, uh, The Equalizer 3, ended up, it was just because of the timing of the movie schedules. Uh, just got mixed around. Ended up seeing uh, Liam Neeson's, uh, one of his movies. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Liam Neeson, the guy that did the Taken series. Everybody knows, if when I find you, I will kill you. Like those type movies. He That's all he's been doing now um, when it comes to just all of his movies. This one was called, let's see if I can find it. Wikipedia, you are my best friend. Um, oh, God, he has his own separate page because he's been doing so many movies. What was it? Uh, Retribution. Retribution and The Blue Beetle is what I saw this past weekend. And sorry to say, did not enjoy neither one of them. I Seeing two movies in one day, I felt like I I wasted my day. Retribution, I mean, it was all right. It was... Him not able to leave the car because there was a bomb in the car. If you guys, uh, spoiler alert, sorry if I'm uh, spoiling this for you. But um, yeah, it was just, just hard to get into. It was ba- just bad acting overall. I mean, the synopsis was great. Drive around in a car. There's a bomb in it. If you get out of the car because it's like attached to the seat, uh, pressure weights, it blows up. So you got to figure out a way to get out. Um, uh, synopsis was good, but just the acting was very. Uh, B minus level like it was hard to really believe 
the characters and the Blue Beetle. Um, I know it got a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, but I felt like it was for the younger generation, so I couldn't enjoy it. All the jokes and stuff were in there. We were just kind of high schoolish. So, I mean, so if you're in high school listening to this, definitely check it out. You would very much love it. I just felt like I was phased out per se when it comes to the type of humor that I enjoy. So, uh, better luck next time. I do I do know they have the Nun 2 coming out. I'm going to wait for those reviews for that. There's another there's another haunting movie coming out. Going to check that out. And I think there's another like horror movie that's coming out as well. A lot, a lot of horror movies um that are coming out, but you get the gist of it. Love me some movies and just gonna wait for those reviews. And other than that, man, not not much. Watching Twisted Metal TV show, good good movie. Not a good movie, good show series so far. And work, and that's about it. Now, without any further ado, we do have the fights to go over from this past weekend. Sirogan taking on, oh my god, I forgot it, Sergey Spivak. Yes, yes, Sergey Spivak in the main event. There's you, the UFC's second event in Paris and France. It was overall fantastic. I know they do tell people that every single time they go to a different country, whether it's um, over in the UK or Canada, they always say they have the best crowd. But apparently, I'm, I'm assuming since they are just now going to France, that that is why they are saying that they are the best crowd now. A lot of people have been saying that. Dana White, Michael Bisping, a lot of the other commentators, they were saying that the crowd was absolutely insane. And from the from look, watching it from the TV, they look very respectful. You can kind of just tell every time one person would punch the other person, they would cheer the, the, another time where the opposing opponent would punch the other guy, they would cheer as well. They were very respectful. Um, for the most part, you know, they were cheering their countrymen, and how can you blame them? They even cheered Thug Rose, Rose Namanunez, when she was walking out, which was, it was good to see. So they were cheering both Manon Perot and Thug Rose, which was just fantastic. Fantastic. Now for these fights in the main event, Cyril Gan getting that second round TKO over Sergey Spivak. I called it to the T. Well, not exactly to the T. Last week, I believe I said inside of three rounds, and that is exactly what happened. Sergey Spivak looked like he just rolled out of bed because he did not put much of a fight. He went for one takedown, which got stuffed. And then he went for a second one. The first one got stuffed easily. The second one, there was a bit of a struggle. But then he was not able to get him down. And that's that was it. It was it seemed like Spivak was his mindset was to show up, get paid, and go home. Because that is exactly what happened. It was just him being a punching bag for two rounds. Look at these uh these strike differentials. Um gone threw 157 strikes, and landed 110, 70% accuracy range. God damn. And then Sergey Spivak threw 44 strikes, landed 11. Jesus Christ. Imagine getting into a fight, a person punches you 110 times, and you hit him 11 times. So that's just insane. Those were the total strikes, significant strikes. Siragan landed 109 at a 109 strikes out of 156, 
Sergey, oh, all of his strikes were significant. Threw 11, I mean, threw 44, landed 11, 25% accuracy. Takedowns, oh, okay, so he only went for one takedown. Um, so he was zero for one. When we spoke about last week, he averages two takedowns per round. This one, he went for one, and then that was it, just gave up. Uh, there are some rumors that he did get injured. There are some slow photos you can watch on YouTube where it shows a Sergey Spivak's rib popping out, and that's why he could not really secure any takedowns. And he goes back to the drawing board now with that loss, sitting at a record of not bad of a record, 16-4, and four, while Siragon sits at 12-2, and two, which is just insane for him to have only a total of 14 fights. When people like Israel Adesanya, the, uh, the main event for this upcoming weekend has over 150 kickboxing fights. Sarah Gans at 14. Just insane. Absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. The co-main event, Manon for Rowe, getting that five-round decision win over Rose. This one was kind of very hard to watch because, as you guys know as well, the pictures that are on Instagram... YouTube and Reddit, she broke her pinky in the first round. So she could not secure any takedown. She could not get any strikes. And just being in a fight and you're just severely compromised with the pinky is just really, really hard to just continue your game plan. If you're in a fight and you you need to ball your fist up and have it just solid and your pinky is being one of the outer you know indexes of a fist is really much needed to secure takedowns to set up strikes i mean you got to put your hands on your opponent and when you just cannot do that it makes it extremely extremely difficult difficult to persevere and push on through that pain and the the way that it was bent jesus christ if you have not seen the photo let's just say pinkies are not meant to bend that way it was just so devastating just really really bad and a lot of people were giving her uh, her coach slash boyfriend a hard time in between the rounds where she told them that her pinky was broken and they essentially told her to ignore it they didn't even check up on it they didn't even look at it they just told her not just told her to ignore it so uh I don't know how I feel about that. On one end, you have to continue the fight. You got to keep going on. And if this was a found, if this was a five round fight, and that first round continued like the second into the second and the third, I would probably would have thrown in a towel because you just really can't. You're you're just so compromised with a with a broken finger, and when you're trying to just punch your opponent, so it was a three round affair. They thought you can get it done. I mean, but the history shows itself that the writing's on the wall and I kind of figured once I knew her pinky was broken that that was just all she wrote I mean there's just not much you can do Manon Farrow she did receive an accidental headbutt in the second round it opened up a huge gash on the side of her head the referees looked at it she's bleeding all down the side of her fight side of her face it was inverted it was not on purpose but both fighters were compromised but I tell you what, if I'm in a fight, I'd rather get accidentally headbutted than have a broken finger. I mean, it's just that's just your moneymaker, man. So, whew, I know she was um, 
little bit of uh, some back talk, some smack talking by Thug Rose after the fight, saying that uh, she was not undersized. I believe that she was, but she was hammering out at all of her critics, saying that she looked small for the division, hammering back at, M- at Monopero, saying, hey, I dropped your ass in that second round. Uh, we'll be meeting again, and essentially told everyone that she's not dropping back down to 115. I believe she should. She just does not have that size advantage for the weight class. Essentially, her reason is while she does have two wins over the UFC's strawweight champion Zhang Weili, she has two wins over her. People are saying that why don't she? Why doesn't she just drop back down and get the strap from her? Because she already has two wins over her, which is very much doable. But her reason was, hey, I've already climbed that mountain two times. I have no desire to climb with a third. I'd rather look for new avenues and to try to get this woman's flyweight strap at 125. And all right, we're, we're going to see where this goes. I don't think she's going to get it. 125 is just has all this fresh blood into this division. You have Manon Faro in there who is undefeated in the UFC. You have Aaron Blanchfield at 23 years old that's undefeated. Just really destroyed Jessica Andrade and her second to last outing. And then beat Talia Santos who is not only a monster but who is coming off of a decision loss to Valentina Shevchenko who I think she won. I think Talia Santos won that last fight against Valentina Shevchenko. So it's just this division and Thug Rose being around for so long and all these new, um, this fresh blood in the division, I just do not see a path to victory for her. But hey, I would love to be wrong. I would love to see her come back with Vengeance, with that L that's going to be sitting with her until next year because she's definitely not coming back this year. And come back and start knocking out these uh, these new contenders because, I mean, that would be the way to do it. But I just think Father Time is undefeated. And Thug Rose, get patched up. See you again next time, baby girl. And now, whew, this upcoming week, UFC 293, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not joking at all, and if you've seen this card, you know exactly what I am talking about. UFC 293 is more than likely the weakest card of the year, if not for the past five years. Let me tell you why. Everyone, my first fight that I've ever seen it was in a Buffalo Wild Wings, and it was Anderson Silva versus Chris Lieben. That was back in 2008. If you remember that fight like I do, I was instantly hooked. I was all in because the way that he pieced up Chris Lieben, he got a tight. That was his UFC debut, Anderson Silva. He Pieced up Chris Lieben so bad that after his first fight, he was granted a title shot. (laughs) He was granted a title shot off of his first one. So that is all you need to know. Now, the reason I bring that up is ever since that fight, I have watched every event since 2008. I can tell you every champion by heart 
who beat who in every division from 125 all the way up to heavyweight, the lineal champions and who beat that lineal champion, so on and so forth. This is more than likely the weakest card I have seen. No pun intended. Now, we know the... (laughs) thing that makes it worse is main event, Israel Adesanya is taking on Sean Strickland. <sighs> Jesus, I mean, come on now. I would love, I would love to sell you on this fight on how Sean Strickland has a goddamn snowball's chance in hell, but there is absolutely no path to victory in this fight. I might be wrong to be eating these words, but if you guys know Sean Strickland, his fighting style is pressure, a lot of light jabs, and pressure, and a lot more jabs. He says he has wrestling, never seen in the UFC fight. He's not a Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialist, and his best win in the division is a split victory over Jack Hermanson. That's his best victory in this 185-pound division. Israel Adesanya is the Best striker currently in the UFC, hands down, no argument, the best striker in the goddamn division. How does Sean Strickland win this? I, I, I just have no idea. This is like this. This is like, this should be just a layup for him. The only way I can see Sean Strickland losing this fight is if Israel Adesanya injures himself. That is the only way I could really see him losing this fight. So. Don't have to break this down too much. I think Sean Strickland is going to get pieced up. I'm saying TKO inside of, inside of two or three rounds. I'm going to say three max because Israel Adesanya likes to play cautious and he wants to make it a master class performance and he's not going to blitz in and knock him out. I think he's going to take his time. I'm going to say Israel Adesanya, third round finish. Co-main event are Boy, Tai Tuivasa, a.k.a. Bam Bam, taking on Alexander Volkov. Oh, man. <sighs> Ty needs a victory, right? He for sure is hell needs a victory in his bout. Coming off of a loss against Sergei Pavlovich. No shame there. Sergei knocks out everybody in the division. And before that, losing to Sirogan, no shame on Eddie either. One of these future heavyweights in his division, this new breed of heavyweights, him and Tom Aspinall, this new breed. But he needs a victory here, and I believe he's going to get it against Alexander Volkov. And I'm hoping, oh my God, a shoey in Australia would probably be the biggest pop of the night. Alexander Volkov, no slouch. He's got all the experience in the world. He is, what, 36 wins, 10 losses, two ties, 15 wins, and five losses. He has more than double the fights in Ty. Jesus Christ. That is, uh, hmm. Well, Alexander Volkov's key to victory, he does. He's a very, very big dude. He's going to be way bigger than Ty. He's very long as well. He's going to try to box him on the outside. Ty is going to have to Mike Tyson him, get in real tight and tight. When, when he's at that jab range, he needs to be either on the outside or or all the way inside. He cannot be within jab or hook range. It's got to be in and, out, in and out and fighting tight. I'm sticking with my boy Ty Tuivasa. I think he's going to probably get a done decision or first round knockouts. I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say decision Ty Tuivasa. 
kind of a risky bet, but that is my prediction for that fight. I mean, dude, the rest of this card, I mean, those are the big ones, ladies and gentlemen. That is the main course, the desserts, the sides, and everything else in between. I got nothing else for before that fight is Manal Cap versus Felipe Dos Santos. I mean, before that is Justin Taifa. He's a good fighter, but he has nine fights total, taking on Austin Wayne. And then Tyson Pedro, who's a good fighter as well, taking on Anton Turkodge. Just never heard of him. Just, nah. I mean, I think the UFC is just doing this because they're just all building us up for that big-ass Abu Dhabi fight. Coming up in October, I believe it is what October 21st at Islam Makachev, Charles Oliveira. So after, I mean, between now and that October 21st, it's going to be real slim pickings, ladies and gentlemen. Real slim pickings. Uh, so that's all I got for you guys today. A little bit of a longer episode today. Um, and I believe I was telling you all before my you my YouTube channel should be up and running. Um, it's gonna be the 18th of this month. That's when everything should be good and done. Look for that. I'll give you guys the links for that as well and where to find it. It is gonna be under my name, Luther Connor. So just please tune in. Thanks for all the reviews, the comments. For everyone that joined our Discord channel this past weekend, shout out to you guys. You guys really do make the show fun. And I just love the uh, the intel, the conversations that we have, and the fight breakdowns. Really, really enjoy it here. And hope you guys enjoy your week. And I will catch you all next time.